Welcome back to the Butterfly Empire. I am the Butterfly Queen. And today's is the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez, also known as the Valley Intruder, the American serial killer. It happened on August 8th, 1985, which started, which began it. Okay, and here we go. The suspect has used guns, knives, tired irons, handcuffs, thumbcuffs, as well as his own foot to inflict serious injuries. Now, as the setting begins, you know, this was a decade the Queen visited, when the Pope visited, the Olympics was going on, crime was very low, LA was very, very dangerous, so. Okay, the Night Stalker is suspected to be in 6 to 8 murders and 25 to 30 attacks. That's just the beginning, though. In L.A. County, there was probably close to a thousand murders a year. Okay. March 17th, 1985. Night Stalker. He had a big grin. Hardly no teeth. Day one. St. Patrick's Day in 1985, downtown L.A. Roseman detectives get there. Their garage door is open. In the garage, the detectives see its blood spatterings around the door and on the floor, right by the door that separates the garage from the condo. There was a baseball cap, a hat that said ACDC. Okay, the thing about that hat is earlier that day, a lady that works at the thrift shop picked up the same hat, looked at it, and put it back down. She looked at the man... He picked the hat up, put it on his head, paid for it, and walked out. Okay, the detective goes inside the condo and takes a s search around. And he sees a bloody phone inside the bedroom. And this was Dale Akazaki, age 34, dead on the kitchen floor wearing a Dodger jersey. She's been shot right in the forehead. And during all this, you know, she hears the knob. She hears more gunshots from outside. And so, it was quiet for a while. So she popped her head up because it was quiet in her house. And when she did, he popped her right in the head. Okay. And the gunshots you heard earlier was from her roommate, Marie Hernandez which is Dale's roommate. Marie had just driven home. She entered the garage door with her remote. She turned around and there was a male suspect with a stargazed look with a gun stretched out coming towards her face. When she puts her hands up and he pulled the trigger, the bullet deflected off the keys in her hand and knocked her down to the ground. He then pushed her body out of the way, entered the condo. Then she jumped up and started running down the alleyway. When she heard another gunshot, she was worried about her roommate, so then went to the front of the condo, thinking he'll 
back out of the garage door. At which he did not. He came out the front door. He walks away. Okay, this was March 18, 1985, day two. 40 minutes after Dale. Mile away, Watery Park, a young woman was stopped in her vehicle and yanked out of and, and shot. Okay, I'm going to try to attempt this name. Tsai Lian Yu. Or sprawled out in the street, shot in the chest. Age 30. Her last words was, help me, help me. Then the said roommate from earlier, Maria Hernandez, gets with the police department and got a sketch done of the man she saw. He was five foot eight, dark clothes. I was in alliance with the evil that is inherent in human nature. And that was who I was. The Night Stalker would not shoot or harm before he seen the fear or desperation in their eyes. He would always wait. March 27, 1985. Day 10. Ten days after Akazaki, Hernandez, and you, there is a double murder out in Witter County area. At the house of Vincent and Maxine Zazara. The murderer stepped on the five-gallon plastic candy kit in the window, which was in the bathroom. He ransacked the place, the male sleeping on the couch, where he was executed. With a gunshot to the temple, so far all of them was killed with a twenty-two. The woman found in bed had several stab wounds just above the vagina. She had been raped, and he actually cut her eyes out. The man was 64, I mean, yeah. The man was 64 and the woman was 44. But there, he left the shoe print and he wore a size 11 to 12 shoe. Remember the shoe, okay? It comes in handy. Okay, and then this is the part of the story that really, really, really bothers me because it involves children. He kidnapped a six-year-old girl, Anastasia Horanis. He put her in a duffel bag, bring her to the house. He raped her. He put her back in the bag to leave the place where they were. They stopped at a gas station. And the night starker said to the little girl, I want you to go in there and I want you to tell them to call 911 and have them get your family here to come get you. Then he drove off. A series of these children abducted who were sexually assaulted was February 25th in Montebello, a six-year-old girl. March 11th in Monterey Park, nine-year-old boy. March 20th in Glassell Park, an eight-year-old girl. In 1977, two hillside boys discovered the latest victim on a hillside in northeast L.A. Body dumped 15 feet down an embankment in a residential neighborhood. She was 20 years old, found new. They say it might have been a possible overdose, but there was a look at her marks on her arms and wrist and ankles. Neck? That was definitely murder. 
Ten young women was bound, raped, strangled, their bodies found scattered in hilly areas. Early seventh Saturday. 18-year-old Paula Gwen Ward, 21-year-old Carolyn Williams. And then it got the name the Hillside Strangler. The 11 was nude, posed, and there was no signs of struggle in their homes. Some of the names were Kim, Judith, Lisa, Yolanda, Jill, Paula, Carolyn. That's only some that I was able to give for my research. But the palm print was found on the car of the 13th victim, 20-year-old Cindy Hutspitz. Kenneth Biachi admitted to a L.A. court that he committed five of the so-called hillside stranglings, which was a theory that there was two cousins who did the killings, but they were never believed them. He went after old people, young people, men and women. He had no pattern. July 6, 1985, day 111. The story of Lorraine Rodriguez, Night Stalker Survivor. She woke up to a very loud noise, terrified and in fear. She gets her husband to go look what it could be. They walked around the dining room table. They noticed the window was open, which they said that the window was painted shut and nailed shut. No, I think it was just painted. Her husband, who was also a cop, shines his flashlight out the window and there's footprints in the flower bed. Jerry Burke, criminalist and L.A. County Sheriff. He was assigned to trace evidence sections of the lab. He needed to know everything and anything about the shoe. He flew up to Oregon and met with the creator of the shoe. He gave Gary shoe soles that he could use in comparison all the way to full impressions or partial. He was able, able to determine that those shoe prints had been caused by an Arabic shoe and opposed to a coach's or basketball shoe. They figured, but it was size 11 and a half. They also provided him with spreadsheets of the sale data. They learned that, that on January 9, 1985, 1,356 pairs of model 440 avias was in the U.S., but his was a black shoe, and there was only six blacks, 11 and a half, manufactured. Five of those went to Arizona, and only one came to L.A. With all this info, that was never able to track it any further. May 29, 1985. Day 73. Two sisters in their 80s was attacked and beaten in their hillside house in the Monrovia. A gardener found them in their bedrooms two days later which they were still alive at the moment. Their home has been ransacked. One of the sisters, Mabel Bell, age 83, died that day on 6-1 of 85. The other, Florence Lang, was hospitalized in critical position, but they both pretty much passed away. The suspect entered through the rear door. Mabel was taped with electrical tape, spread eagle to her four poster bed sexually assaulted and beaten to death with a hammer her sister Florence was barely alive they found a partial footprint there
The weird part was how comfortable he got after killing somebody. He took the time to even have a snack in their place. It was at their house was the first time they saw the pentagram that was written in lipstick. It was on one of the victim's legs and he had it on the wall. July 7th, 1985, day 112. Detective calls up Linda Arthur, who is a crime scene technician, and she says, Gil, I think you need to come over here because the lady across the street from me just got raped, and I think it was related to what you're working on around 3 a.m. She says, Someone called me from outside, like literally screaming her name, Sophie Dickinson, who was robbed and raped and handcuffed to the bed. The suspect had lifted out, lifted out the cat door, pulled it right out, and then gained interest into the house and sexually assaulted Sophie. After he left, she pulled her own bed, while still handcuffed, but she pulled it across the room and yelled at the window. And Sophie is weird. He put a glove in my mouth and a pillow over my head, and the attacker said, Don't look at me. And then a little bit later, in Monterey Park, July 7, 1985, a 60-year-old grandmother, Joyce Nelson, was killed during the night. She was 5'2", weighed a little over 100 pounds. There was blood on the bed and lots of blood on the floor. She fought back, and she was not raped. He was very angry when he beat her. He literally stomped the side of her head and left a footprint on it. Shoe print, footprint, yeah. That lovely, famous ABS footprint. The murderer went less than a mile away where he entered the residence of Sophia Dickman. There he sexually assaulted her. You know, the little story from earlier. In a 10-day period, they had Higgin, Cannon, Bennett, Dickman, and Nelson. That's five cases in a 10-day period. After that, the media really got involved after the Nelson case. The news media had gone out to the residence of Patty Higgins and then four days later saw detectives out at Mary Cannon's house. The media asked, what are you guys doing here? Then they all went on a news frenzy. July 8th, 1985, day 113. At the police station, after the news puts out their stories, the phone rings and someone puts a call through. The people on the other end, Frank, it's Laura Erickson. She was a newscaster, by the way. Frank, what about this shoe print? I've understand that you got. He replies, what shoe? The news lady says, the era. Then they brought up 
if the murderer changes his shoes, they wouldn't be able to identify him or connect the murder to him. So I definitely do not want that out. The newscaster bribes the cops who at the moment didn't want the clue about the shoe in the open and amongst the chaotic troubles. And she was like, well, give me something else to work with and I'll keep the shoe out of the story. So, they ended up doing an interview with her and give her something else. No. Generally said, killers have one thing in common. They might relocate, but they don't stop killing until they are caught, imprisoned, killed, or dead. So, let the killings begin. July 9th, 1985, day 114. They found a business card in a stolen vehicle that the Ramirez guy stole, which went to his dentist. And they found out that the murderer had just went. So they realized from the x-rays they obtained that he has an impacted tooth. We'll have to come back soon because he will be in pain if not. So they had two Chinese undercover cops sitting in the waiting room. Which I forgot to mention this is in Chinatown so that makes more sense. <laughs> waiting for him to come back to the dentist. July 15th, 1985, day 120. They put an alarm in the dentist area and pulled two guys out of there, which was a bad choice. Because the next day that they, after removing their people, came back. They put the alarm on the doctor, then, then they left. And the doctor called them up about 10 that night saying where were you why didn't you come the murderer was there that day the doctor kept hitting the alarm and the alarm malfunctioned or wasn't wired properly and it didn't go off so they missed him yet again July 20th, 1985, day 125. By the way, my birthday is on July 10th. I just thought this was randomly that it was happening in July when I was reading this part. But this was Max and Leela, age 68 and age 66. At 12 a.m., a married elder couple died of a gunshot and knife wounds to the upper torso. The murderer came through the pool gate and it was open and went into the house by the back door. The elderly man's head was almost decapitated from being cut and the woman's face was shot off. The room was a bloodbath bow shot by the famous 22. The suspect moved on to a second murderer that night which first one wasn't raped so we had to get the sexual gratification somewhere they went through the sliding door which was left unlocked went into the bedroom executed the male shot him in the head with a 22 his name was bear with me okay 
Chainarong Kahunanath. Like, yep, mm-mm. can't do it. But he was a 32 year old man. The suspect then went and sexually assaulted the wife and sexually assaulted the little boy as well. The suspect was there a long time, like two to three, and took a lot of jewels and items taken. This case was wide open with the usual MOs. Found the avia shoe print, the 22 bullet shot, executing males, sexually assaulting females, sexually assaulting the child. The wife did a deposit sketch of the guy. Apparently they made it, right? In the same night, two people got shot, Chris and Regina Peterson. The killer shots both in the head, the husband gets shot, and it didn't go through. Which I'm thinking of just like grazed something. I'm not sure. They didn't really be specific on that. And he got up and chased the guy out of the house. The murderer used a new gun, the 25 auto. They studied the bullets. There was red primer on the top of it. They asked the producer and they said, It's old bullets. I don't even make those anymore. Okay, now we're in the lovely part of this. It's just a little change up, I guess you can say, because of all the murder and overwhelming feelings. So, this is just like extras. There was over 25 victims. He was convicted of 13 counts of murder, 5 counts of attempted murder, 14 counts of burglary, and 11 counts of sexual assault. He was sentenced to die in a gas chamber on November 7th, 1989. But there's 15 facts about Richard that you might find interesting. He was born in El Paso, Texas on February 29th, 1960. He's the youngest of five kids. Number two, he had a very abusive father. Number three, he murdered 14 people and committed numerous of other crimes. Number four, he used numerous weapons to murder his victims. Five, he was diagnosed with special type of disorder, which was schizoid personality disorder. Number six, assumed he became a psychopath and wasn't born one. Number seven, his cousin, Miguel Ramirez. Number eight, his brother-in-law had a weird fetish, Boyer, who roamed around town at night and sneaks into people's homes. What was that? Was eight? Okay, so here's nine. He moved to LA just before he started killing. Number 10, his first murder wasn't confirmed until 2009. Now him connected to that one. Number 11. The media gave him the name the Night Stalker 
Number 12, he made a crucial mistake during his final crime. Final crime was on August 24th, 1985. He left a fingerprint on a stolen car. Number 13, he was beaten up by an angry mob just before being arrested. 14, a member of the jury just got shot to death during his trial. 15, he got married in prison and died in 2013. And I'm guessing the Night Stalker died from cancer on June 7, 2013 before the execution could be carried out. point everybody heard about the Night Stalker. Everyone was freaking out and then one night a boy lying in bed heard footsteps and naturally he's like it's the Night Stalker. Somebody runs and wakes up his parents and they're being really loud to scare him away which freaks Richard out and he gets in the stolen car so James this 13 year old boy runs outside he had a little notepad little doodle bag it's our handy daddy notebook he wrote the color, the make, the model of the car that Richard was in. The boy got a partial numbers of the license plate. They contracted, they contacted the police and told them what he saw and wrote down the vehicle that was driven by Richard. They found it on August 28th. They got a fingerprint off the car. Even though he was really good at wiping down fingerprints and the missing, missed just the one. And that's all they needed. At which they was able to get a positive ID on him. And now they had a name. Richard Ramirez, 25, a drifter from Texas. In a long rap sheet, the media then releases a mugshot of Richard that they had on file. On August 30th, Richard took a bus to Tuscan, Arizona, to where his brother was living. His brother was completely unaware of what was going on because they were showing it on all the places and stuff in his state, but nowhere else, you know. Richard ended up not meeting with his brother and then took a bus back to Los Angeles, California. August 31st, Richard gets off the bus and he starts walking and he looks over. Richard's seeing a newspaper rack, every magazine, newspaper, etc. with his picture on it. It throws him in a full panic mode. He takes off running on foot. He tries to run across the freeway, stops the car, he tries to carjack but the other people nearby who have slowed down and they see it happening so they prevent him from carjacking. So he takes off again and starts jumping fences, attempting two more carjackings. He ended up in East LA, which is like a bad neighborhood. Richard tries stealing another car. People on the street are like, uh, no, not happening, mm-mm, don't go there. And they start attacking Richard. One struck Richard over the head with a metal bar, and the whole group's up, ends up taking turns and beating him till cops come and get him. 
Richard gets arrested and put in prison and is waiting for his court date. So at his first court appearance, there was press there and Richard had carved a pentagram on his palm. And he shows the press this and yells, Hail Satan! August 3rd, 1988. Jail employees have heard Richard saying he's going to shoot the prosecutor, but he was bragging about he was going to smuggle a gun into the courtroom. They installed a metal detector that day. Outside the courtroom, August 14th, the trial was interrupted because one of the jurors didn't arrive to courtroom later that day. They was later found out shot to dead in her apartment. Which also they found out that it wasn't Richard's fault, it was like her crazy ex-boyfriend or something, so. Richard has fans by now. He was getting hundreds of letters. There was a lot of people coming to visit him. One of the ladies was a big, big fan of him. The biggest fan was Doreen, and she wrote him nearly 75 letters. They fell in love, and then during his trial, but all this stuff, during the trial, women was flocking to the courtroom to see, to see him. They were screaming like a, like they had beaver fever or something, like a fangirl. Many of those fans believed he was innocent. The one jury that got killed was replaced, and one of the ladies, Cindy, took the place. She loved Richard and was obsessed with him. Him and her would write while he was in jail, which again is against the rules. And he thought by getting good with her that he would get a hung jury. September 30th, 1989, Richard was convicted on all charges. But then he ended up being really upset with Cindy, the drawer, because she didn't have his back. So later on went on a few TV's appearance assisting that he had been poorly representative and didn't deserve the death penalty. In 1988, Richard ends up proposing to Doreen and they got married on October 3rd, 1986. Doreen would eventually leave Richard. She found out that he had killed a nine-year-old boy and it upset her and broke it off. Which, in my opinion, only one? Like, you're not worried about anything else that he did by raping anybody else and all that, but just because he killed the kid, that's the only thing that bothers you? <laughs> saying. While Richard was waiting for an execution date, he became very unwell and very sick. He ended up passing away at the age of 53. He had been sitting on death row for over 23 years or more. Ladies and gentlemen, that ends this podcast on Richard Ramirez. Remember to follow me on Facebook and Instagram where I give you little sneak peeks and also give you information like pictures and whatnot so here we are bye my beautiful butterfly empire i am your butterfly queen and enjoy ahara began in june 1984 los angeles was under siege Death waited in the dark at the hands of a man they called the Night Stalker. After a 14-month reign of terror, he was finally caught. It was only then that his true identity was discovered. His name, Richard Ramirez. Richard Ramirez's whole trip was to hide in a tree or 
hide behind a fence and watch his victims at nighttime and wait into the wee hours of the night. And then while he slept, creep in, you know, like a coward and, and kill him. The night stalker killed at least 13 times, 13 people who were awakened in the night to face death. At least 15 others survived his brutal attacks. I didn't particularly care for people. In a rare interview, Ramirez refused to discuss his own crimes, but had this to say about serial killers. A serial killer comes about by circumstances and like a, a recipe, poverty, drugs, child abuse. These things, you know, are, contribute to a person, uh, to a person's frustration and anger. And, uh, and uh, at some point in life, he explodes. Perhaps for Richard Ramirez, that anger and frustration turned to rage, which he in turn took out on his victims. His killings were so sadistic and brutal that even experienced detectives were shocked. Why on earth would you have hurt those people? Why did you kill those people? Uh, no comments. No comments. I, I cannot answer it at this time. What was to kill? That's it? To kill. It's as simple as that. Richard Ramirez was raised in El Paso, Texas, the youngest of five children born to hardworking, strict parents. Eddie Milam was Richard's best friend back then and remembers when he began to change into a troublemaker. I did start seeing something going wrong with Richard Ramirez. I think what really messed him up was the acid. He would do a lot of acid. The stealing, you know, I noticed the stealing, and then he started as a peeping thumb and things like that. Ramirez's passion for burglary earned him the nicknames of Ricky the Thief and Fingers. But Eddie knew Ramirez had other serious problems when he was fired from a local hotel. He said he was fired, he was dismissed due to the cause that uh, he, uh, he had tried to molest some two little kids that were going up, up the elevator. By 18, Ramirez was a high school dropout drifting around California. He stayed in Skid Row hotels, never seemed to work, but always had at the money to buy cocaine. Friends say the Richard Ramirez they knew didn't date and wasn't the type to commit such heinous crimes. But convicted murderer Martin Kipp, who befriended Ramirez in prison, says he heard another side of the night. Richard told me he needed to associate gruesome violence with sex in order to be completely satisfied. He also told me that he had to violently fantasize about his victims before he'd go away sexually gratified. They are desires whereas if, where I didn't give in to them, I would be crushed by them. I believe in the, in the evil in human nature. This is a wicked, wicked world. And uh, in a wicked world, wicked people are born. I'm not going to blame society, my race, my people, or anything. Uh, it is up to the individual like myself to, to keep on knocking on, on whatever door they want to get into. Because the victims and the methods of killing were so diverse, many experts felt there was no one Night Stalker. Detectives Carrillo and Salerno disagreed and finally broke the case by matching shoe prints. The subsequent trial turned into one of America's most notorious courtroom dramas, punctuated by continual outbursts from Ramirez. In that trial, Ramirez's fascination with Satanism emerged. 
as far as Satan is concerned, I, I believe that, you know, malevolent being, uh, his description eludes me, but I, I have felt powers that are evil. After an eight-month trial, Ramirez was convicted of all 13 murders and given multiple death sentences. I don't care about myself, really. No, I don't care about what happens to me. I never did, really.